At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. You're watching Tesla Time News, episode 338 on Now You Know. Are we starting the show? Yeah, I'm checking my uh, stocks. Uh, isn't that like the ninth time you've checked? What's going on? Um, it's the stock market. You know, it's not fun watching stocks go down in value. I know. It's it's annoying how volatile stocks can be. Oh, I mean, especially because it pulls down even my best stocks like Tesla, which is still down 26% over last year. Nearly every portfolio from the biggest asset managers to beginner investors experienced major pain in the last 12 months. But there are always ways to try and protect your wealth and maybe get back what you expected to have. Like investing in an asset class that's outpaced the S&P 500 by more than two times over the last 26 years. One that even Elon is investing in. I'm talking about contemporary art. Its market used to be nearly impossible to access, but now you can access it in minutes without needing millions of dollars. Thanks to our friends at Masterworks. Masterworks paid out tens of millions of dollars to their investors last year, and that's not a one-off. Every Masterworks exit to date has returned a profit to investors like you. Just take a look at this performance. The results speak for themselves. So we invested in Jesse's favorite modern artist, a piece by Banksy, and we didn't need millions of dollars to do so. By using Masterworks, we were able to buy shares in a portion of it. With 645,000 plus users, Masterworks' offerings have sold out in minutes. They even had to make a wait list for new users. But we got special access for our viewers to skip the line. So click that link in the description right now. And start investing in art. Thank you to Masterworks for sponsoring today's episode. Here, here. So Elon got on stage last Thursday at Tesla's new global engineering headquarters in Palo Alto, California, what used to be, in fact, the Hewlett Packard's original headquarters, to announce Tesla's new engineering headquarters. He reflected on how the company is now 20 years old and will be designing the Tesla bot in Palo Alto. He said that Tesla now has 48,000 employees in California and is the biggest manufacturer in the state by a factor of two, and Fremont is the highest output auto manufacturing plant in North America. I love this quote here from Elon. We specialize in making the impossible merely late. <laughs> yeah, the governor was there. Wow. Elon said it was definitely one of the best parties ever in Palo Alto. Awesome. I mean, I think this was a recruiting event, to be mm -hmm. honest. And the thing is, Tesla is hiring hundreds of positions in engineering and information technology, autopilots and robotics, supply chain, charging, energy, solar and storage, and more. So, I mean, if you're in the area and you're looking for a job, <laughs> they're hiring. Yeah. Now, this comes after, uh, what was it, last year? I can't do COVID time anymore. It was... <laughs> 2021, 2022? What are we talking about? When Tesla changed their headquarters to Texas, Austin, Texas. Oh, yeah, their main headquarters. Yeah. And so now they're opening their engineering headquarters in Palo Alto. It never left. Well, in many ways, the big boy never left, sir. He's always offered the same high-quality meals at competitive prices. To be honest, yeah. I think they're just making it official. And I think it's a good political move by Elon because mm -hmm. now it's like you can't really be mad at him. You're like, oh, so you left for Texas? Oh, no, wait, you're here. I, I think that that sort of makes everybody happy, even though nothing 
really changed other than them making a Gigafactory in, in Austin? Exactly. On February 23rd, Tesla's patent for ultra-hard, cold-worked steel alloy was published. I want to get into all the science of stainless steel manufacturing, but basically there are many alloys of stainless steel, many versions, and each one is made with different compositions or recipes. I like that you brought up recipes because just like a recipe in your kitchen, you can make different stainless steel alloys, some using heat treatments to harden the metal. In the case of Tesla's new patent, it appears that it's a cold rolled recipe, so it doesn't require expensive heat treatments to give it the properties that Tesla wants. And those properties would be like Elon said back in 2019 when he unveiled the Cybertruck. He said, it is literally bulletproof to a nine millimeter handgun. That's how strong the skin is. It's ultra hard, cold rolled stainless steel alloy that we've developed. We're gonna be using the same alloy in the Starship rocket and in the Cybertruck. Yeah, so Tesla's going for durable, dent and scratch resistant, and of course, corrosion resistant. And again, this is one of Tesla's strengths, and it's all because of their close ties to SpaceX. They have some of the best material science engineers in the world. So as they develop an alloy for, say, Starship, they can also use it for parts to make automobiles. In this case, you may be asking, why not just use an alloy of stainless steel that's already been invented? My guess is that Tesla was able to reduce the amount of expensive components like nickel and cobalt, and by cold working it instead of having to heat it, they've probably brought the cost way down. Now, we don't know for sure, but this may be produced by Steel Dynamics at their 1.2 million square foot plant in Sinton, Texas, which is like, I think it's like a three hour drive away from Giga Texas. But I just want to put this into perspective. Is this like they've developed some brand new metal? No, it's basically no. a 300 series stainless steel and they've made their own little version of it. And yeah, I mean, when, when I was younger, I thought stainless steel was a thing that was like it was that you could mine or something. Yeah, like I <laughs> just got a clump of stainless right. steel. But no. no, because it's manufactured, you can make it in many different like your tableware is different than like nails. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all different uh, depending on what you want it to be. So Ross Gerber, the financial advisor and wealth management firm Gerber Kawasaki owner, has decided to withdraw from running for a seat on Tesla's board of directors. In a tweet last week, he said, after careful consideration, I've decided to withdraw my nomination for the Tesla board. As a friendly activist, I feel that shareholders have been heard. Looking forward to what Tesla has to show us next week. Now, Gerber should be meeting with Tesla this week to discuss some of Gerber's concerns like succession planning and brand governance. And don't forget Tesla needing a press department. Gerber said in his tweet replies that he'd like to spend more time with his family. And we had an interesting Patreon poll result a couple weeks ago when we reported on Gerber running for the seat. And I think about like what, 70% of our patrons weren't that excited to see him join the board. And who knows, maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe Gerber floated the idea and saw that Tesla shareholders just didn't seem that excited about his candidacy. Yeah, I mean, it was going to be a long shot anyway, and Elon didn't immediately tweet out his support or anything like that, so it was probably an uphill battle for Ross. My guess is that Ross sensed which way the wind was blowing and was happy to have some of his concerns heard out by Tesla's board. And I mean, good for him. That's how you get your voice heard. You stick your neck out, you run for things, you don't always win, but you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And uh, so... I don't think we should see this as some kind of like bad thing. I think it was good that he got his concerns out there. He's a stockholder. And look, I'm worried about succession plans for Tesla, too. You can't rely a whole company on one guy forever. You right. know, I don't really want a Tim Cook of Tesla. That's, no, I do I not. Either. Don't, mm, that wouldn't so be the, great. Exactly. So let's find that person now or a team of people. Really exciting news. Two more Tesla supercharger locations have had magic dock sightings in recent days. Yeah. First to Scotts Valley, California at 230 Mountain Herman Road, just about 45 minutes south of Fremont, where two Tesla engineers driving in a Model Y were seen installing magic docks on superchargers there. The engineers seemed to have everything they needed in their Model Y, and it seemed to have only taken about two hours to change out all of the Tesla connectors there. Yeah, and our own viewer, Jason, saw these updated superchargers with the Magic Dock in Scotts Valley. Uh, he said that all 12 have been updated with it, and uh, he's got pictures here. These are exclusive to our show. Thank you so much, Jason. And so you can see here with this picture, uh, with the charging handle removed, that instead of it just sort of being a hole that you stick the charging uh, cable into, mm -hmm. that is actually the CCS adapter that is being, you oh. plug, you're literally plugging it back into the CCS adapter when That's you're done so charging. Cool. So they didn't have to change out the cable or anything. That's like they did in Europe. 
Right. I mean, I think that basically all they did was they took a magic dock. I mean, well, I mean, all they I think they had to do is just like run some power to probably a little um, a servo motor. actuator yeah. that's going to unlock uh, the CCS adapter yes. when it's time to sw- to swap it out. And the cool part is they either pre-planned for this and had the wiring in there, or at least they could go grab that low voltage wiring that they needed, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. Then to Verona, New York, where the sign reads scan for instructions to charge a non-Tesla. And they appear to be testing it on a Rivian R1T. Now, again, all 12 stalls in Verona were turned into magic docks. I think this is important. I think if we had seen the first couple Tesla supercharger locations only getting like, say, half of them as magic docks, that would have told us something. I think the fact that they're doing all of them means that that's what they're going to do. And I think that's really smart because you can always turn certain stalls off, but you couldn't have turned them on to magic docks if they didn't have them. So that would have meant that Tesla owners could have iced magic docks. For non for non Tesla, if you get what I mean. Talk. Let's just speak about icing for a second. Uh, Did you see the picture of the Rivian R1T blocking three stalls? Three stalls. Well, right, because it it can't just pull straight in. I guess Uh, the charger's on the front left, and it. I guess it's too far. Yeah. So is it though? I mean, it seems like if you pulled really close, you should reach. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I I remember the first time we tried supercharging, we didn't pull back far enough and we kind of came out and we're like oh this is a short cable we're used to the nice 22 foot long cable of the tesla it's a really good point i'm worried that like we're going to see a lot of that and it isn't their fault i mean they just have a different charging port location so they're going to have to block some stalls and so people are going to start to get mad at like rivian owners when they charge at tesla superchargers but it won't be their fault i don't know how this is going to work is tesla intentionally going to make this a show And then they're going to go back to the government and say, you owe us even more money now because you've made a bad system. Or is the government going to say to Tesla, you were supposed to provide easy charging and this is not easy? Or are all of these other car manufacturers going to have to change their charge port location in order to charge there? Because my guess is that Tesla is going to probably have to put the hammer down at some point and say, no, no, no. If you have the charger in the wrong spot, you can you can leave. Sorry. Mm. Get out of here. Nothing for you. Yeah, it's a good, I don't know. Uh, Comment down below if you have the answers, because I don't. I mean, the real big question to me is, why did all of these companies put the charging location on the side, in the middle? It's the worst spot. Everyone knows that this is the worst place to plug your car. So last week, we talked about how hardware for computers were found in a new Model S. Well, this week, we have pictures of new cameras being found on a Model S at the Fremont factory. Wow. So way more cameras on the car? Uh, No. So the cameras themselves appear to be new, but they are in basically the exact same places that you'd find on any Model S. Oh, weird. Because we saw that the hardware for computer had lots of extra connectors that would allow for more cameras to be plugged in. Well, firstly, let's start off with the side repeaters. Uh, The camera appears to be new and is now pointing a lot more off to the side than previously. So that could allow the car to see a lot more of what's going on to the right or left of the car from a position a bit further than what you would even get if you pressed your face up against the windshield to look left or right. Right. We've talked about before how we thought there should be cameras somewhere in the lights to have sort of a front corner visibility when you're peeking out into an intersection. But I mean, maybe this would be sufficient because if you take a look at this picture of the Model S, the repeaters are really far Mm, forward. That's true. And I mean, it's only a couple feet and we trust human drivers to look left and right um, when you're at an intersection. And that's usually good enough. You know, maybe you have to peek your nose out a little bit further, but this wouldn't even have to be that bad. No, I agree. I mean, especially seeing it like that, I didn't realize how further forward those cameras are. So that's pretty good. Um, But it appears that all the exterior cameras are different. The rear camera is bigger and has a larger housing. The B-pillar cameras look slightly different as well. And the front still has three slightly different looking cameras. So how do we know that these are actual hardware four model S's and X's? I mean, maybe this is just a hardware three car with new cameras. Well, hacker Green the Only checked the VIN number and found that it was indeed hardware four. Hmm. But we still don't see any bumper cameras. Um, But hang on. These weren't delivered cars. These were at Fremont, right? So Mm. that means that they could be testing this out to see if it works and then they'll add more if needed. Well, keep in mind that the hardware for computer will probably also be in the semi truck. Oh, and that truck might need a few extra cameras. And it'll be in the cyber truck. And maybe the cyber truck's going to get more cameras, too. So you build the computer and it doesn't necessarily need all of the 
peripherals for say a model s or model three because they're a lot smaller than a semi truck yeah i mean really smart if that's the case because that means tesla is thinking ahead which they always seem to do so there was this pretty confusing article published by porsche that has made some headlines the article was mostly about regen braking and it was pretty basic and dry but there was one paragraph where there was a bit of mm, confusion, confusion or a uh, controversy well, didn't they say that one pedal driving is inefficient? Well, here's the quote. Porsche, on the other hand, makes use of coasting, which is the more natural process of allowing the vehicle to continue to roll unpowered. Recuperation only starts when the brake pedal is stepped on. This is a more efficient way of driving because it keeps the kinetic energy in the vehicle, says Martin Reinecker, senior manager of chassis testing at Porsche Engineering. One pedal driving, on the other hand, recuperates first and only then converts the recovered energy back into propulsion. That results in twice the losses. So he's not saying there's a problem with regen braking, but he's saying that one pedal driving results in twice the losses. So in an extreme case, he's technically correct, which of course is the best kind of correct. Okay then, I now declare this meeting of being in the right club officially open. Um, if you drove your car in the exact way that you would drive a car without one pedal driving, which is taking your foot off of the accelerator every time you were done accelerating, then yeah, you could have twice the losses because essentially the car would be accelerating and then ooh, slowing down and then accelerating and then slowing down, which is not but, that efficient. But no one drives their EVs like that. Right. You sort of balance your foot to keep the car going the speed that you want. And that means that the car is coasting because you're balancing you know, whether it's accelerating or deaccelerating. However, I will say that in order to keep the pedal responsive in that like, oh, I'm going to push it a little bit further and my car will accelerate a little bit more. There's not much of a dead zone. Mm -hmm. So there isn't like this spot where you're like, nothing's happening here. My car is just coasting. And so that means that you're probably wasting a little bit of energy here or there, but it's very, very slight. OK, but Porsche is going to not do one pedal driving for that reason. <laughs> I don't think that that's the reason. I okay. think that that's the justification. I'm guessing it has to do with slowing down EV adoption because once you get used to one pedal driving, most people can't really go back. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole safety thing that they're ignoring. Right, if you have a car that naturally slows down as soon as it stops getting driver input and then comes to a stop within a reasonable period of time, that's pretty safe um, as compared to a car that's just gonna keep zooming right on down the road. But again, this article wasn't really about one pedal driving. So, I mean, if Martin wants to come on our show and debate us, that would be fun. But I think we'd probably come to an agreement pretty quickly. I don't think that it really makes sense to dig into this point much. A lot of people wanted to really talk about it and and get into it. It doesn't really matter the total efficiency of whether or not you use one pedal driving. At the end of the day, everyone's going to pick it because it's really, really nice. Yeah. I mean, if you try and go back to a gas car after you've driven an EV, it just feels like a horse and buggy. It's like, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah. So we got some more spy shots of what is believed to be a Model 3 Highland prototype out in the wild. And there's a couple things to point out here. Yeah, first and foremost are the new wheels. We had heard before that there would be new Model 3 wheels, both 18 and 19 inch, um, and I like the look of them here. Yeah, me too. Also, what really stands out to me in this picture is how completely they've taped over the front lights. Hmm. I wonder if this had something to do with that other prototype spotted a few weeks ago um, where we thought we saw a camera in the headlight. Yeah, I mean, why else would they tape over the lights like that? Uh, then there's this really sketchy looking wire being run from the rear along the door jam to the front of the car. Well, I'm sure that's just for testing. Me too. Um, and lastly is the side repeater. The flare on the body panel continues onto the door panel, something that we do not see on my 2018 Model 3 or my buddy's 2022 Model 3. Wait, so that's a real difference. Yeah, it's different even from the other prototypes that we've seen. So could this be new cameras or is it just a new body design? Hmm. So, I mean, could the refresh be imminent? Right, because you can't get that extra flare in the body unless you've stamped it and mm. you can't get stamping done unless you have a stamping die and stamping dies are not cheap mm -hmm. so it really points to there being some kind of refresh um let us know what you think in the comments below about that extra little um line that they're adding to the car and i think they have to announce something soon probably investor day mm. uh, because if they don't it really is hurting model 3 sales people are waiting to buy until the refresh comes out all right so check this out we have some video of the cyber truck are look at this sure? video looks like it was shot on a potato 
I can see the pixels. Okay, hang on, hang on. Uh, let's go to this second video. This is over on our friend's Cybertruck Owners Club website, and look at this. Oh, no, that's better. We do the lights. We're the lighting guys. We're the lighting guys. <laughs> light guys. We actually found out later that this was for the California engineering announcement, and I think the lighting guys did a pretty good job. Okay, but I want to talk about the suspension here. It looks like it's in high off-road mode. Those are 35-inch or 37-plus-inch wheels by comparison. So according to Tesla's website, Cybertruck will be able to, quote, raise and lower suspension four inches in either direction. Now, that looks to be more than four inches, but mm. our Rivian R1T has six and a half inches of vertical travel from 7.9 inches to 14.4 inches of clearance. That would mean Cybertruck would have at least eight inches of travel. Yeah, from the bottom to the top. And it, I, I don't know exactly what that clearance would be, um, but it's pretty high. Yeah, I mean, it looks to be something like, I don't know, 15 yeah. inches. Yeah. Um, and then there's this other video of what appears to be a different Cybertruck driving around. Uh, and I say it's different because this one has darker wheels. Now, where's the windshield wiper? Ooh, yeah. On both of these, it's nowhere to be found. Um could it be hidden beneath the bonnet, as Elon has said? Or is it just disconnected? Right. If you look at the, you know, the walk around shot that the lighting guys got for us, um, you can kind of see where it looks like there should be something. Um, and the bonnet looks a little bit raised, but obviously this is a prototype. So maybe that's just the way that it looks. And they pulled the windshield wiper off. And the tonal cover. It's black. Yeah, so in this drone footage, we get to see it with a black tono cover. Um, do you think that that's going to be standard? I, I forget what it was going to look like. Well, you, you could have availing. a solar tono cover at some point, right? right? So, I mean, solar's usually black, so. Mm, it's usually blue. Yeah, a lot of Tesla solar yeah. nowadays is black, oh, though. Okay. They go with those black panels. I don't know. Uh, you don't, you want it to match the solar roof, don't you? I do, but I'm, I think most people are worried about the windshield wiper. I mean, if that's what it looks like with pulled off, that looks pretty good. But if it starts to rain, uh, what are you just going to only drive it in the desert? <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. It, maybe you just speed up. Maybe you just go, oh, it's raining. Hang on. <laughs> no, I think it'll come with a Rain-X, uh, you know, bottle and you just go out there and keep it hydrophobic the whole time. Anyway, if you want to talk about what's going on with Cybertruck, head on over to Cybertruck Owners Club. There's where you're going to find all of this stuff and more. They're the first usually to have all these great videos. Go check them out. They help sponsor the show. Jesse and I are heading to Micro Mobility Europe this year in Amsterdam on June 8th and 9th. I'm really excited to get to go. I've never been to Amsterdam before. It's going to be so awesome to meet up with our fans and check out some awesome e-bikes, scooters, boards, and neighborhood electric vehicles. And look, if anyone would like to attend, you can check out our link below to save 20% off the price of admission. And they've just added a consumer expo on June 9th for the afternoon. The ticket prices are much lower, although I'm guessing it's going to be pretty crowded. Yeah, uh, we can't wait to go and check it out. We hope to see you there. So make sure you click that link. So Jesse and I just reviewed what could be my new favorite e-bike, the Tenways CGO 800S. I liked it a lot, too. It kind of has everything that I want from an urban commuter bike with nothing that I don't need, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've really been fortunate to have been reviewing e-bikes for years over on our Now Let's Review channel. So we've been able to watch the industry kind of evolve. And this bike surprised me. I mean, for a sub $2,000 e-bike, I was expecting a pretty run-of-the-mill experience. But what we got was more like what I'd expect from an e-bike costing double the price. Yeah, so we won't go into all the features. That's what the review is for. But suffice it to say that if you're in the market for a commuter e-bike, then you should check out our review of the Tenways CGO 800S and see if it checks the boxes for you. And while you're over there, don't forget to watch our EV Charger reviews because we are giving them away to our patrons over on Patreon. We'll tell you how when you watch those reviews on Now, now Let's, Let's Review. Review. So unfortunately, after a couple of months of trying to raise money, the Scion Solar EV is dead. Oh no, what happened? Sono has decided to let 300 employees go and cancel the Scion EV project. Oh, that's too bad. So what are they like, bankrupt now? Uh, no. So Sono, well, I guess it's still called Sono Motors, is going to be focusing exclusively on B2B solar applications, namely integrating solar into things like trailers, trucks, buses, and other vehicles. And so what about people who put in money? So Sono will be reimbursing reservation holders over two years in three installments. So 30% by the end of May of this year, another 40% by the end of June of 2024, and the final 30% by the end of January of 2025 with a 5% bonus. That sucks. 
It also sounds like you need to accept the terms. So if you were a deposit holder, don't wait. Try and get that agreement signed as soon as possible. And the repayment installments are just for the deposits made before the Save Scion campaign. As far as I can tell, Sono hasn't published anything about that other than to say Sono Motors will not withdraw any money from the payment commitments made during the Save Scion campaign. The deposit holders are going to have to wait two, three years before they get all their money back? Yeah. And I mean, that's if everything works, you know, if they keep making money. I mean, I thought that the whole point of a deposit was that it was in escrow and that you would get it. That's why there was a lot of fine print at the time. And that's why it was a pretty risky move. I mean, they were pretty upfront about it being a risky move. Mm. Well, we're going to be talking more about this on our Investor Club bonus stories. Um, if you want to check that out, you can head over to patreon.com slash now, you know, sign up for the Investor Club and you'll get all of our Investor Club bonus stories as well as lots of other perks. Yeah. So one of the provisions of the IRA or the Inflation Reduction Act that many people kind of overlooked is the used EV tax credit. Yeah, an EV sold by a car dealer that is priced less than $25,000 can qualify for a tax credit of up to $4,000. Now that has to be a car that's at least two years old. And once this used EV tax credit is claimed, it cannot be claimed again. So what this has started doing is actually lowering used EV prices as many dealerships try to price used EVs under $25,000 to make the EV eligible for the credit and therefore cheaper for their customers. Yeah, this chart from Bloomberg Green shows that over the past five months, from September through January, the number of used EVs in the US eligible for the $4,000 tax credit has gone up and now makes up 20% of the market. In other words, there's never been a better time to shop for a used EV. Yeah. I mean, I've been hearing that a lot of dealers get a car on their lot and not only were they willing to pay the previous owner more because they knew they could get this credit for the buyer, but also they're like, mm, we were going to price it at like 26.3, but now we'll price it at 24.9 to get it under the limit. Now, this isn't going to make much of a difference for, say, used Nissan Leafs, which is what I have. Yeah, they're already under the limit. I got called the other day. And they're like, we want to buy your leaf. And I was like, cool, how much? And they're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, well, we don't know anything about your leaf. I'm like, well, then tell me more. So I finally I they finally cajoled them. And they're like, we'll give you four grand for it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's what you'd make from the tax credit. So no. Right. But it will kind of boost the value of when you do go to sell that leaf. Yeah, and it was but only through a dealer. I mean, this was a couple months ago, so it was before the IRA. So right. maybe I call again and I say, oh, you still we'll want give my you $4,500. <laughs> so Starlink is now available in the Philippines. And the Philippines Department of Informational and Communications Technology has announced that it will use Starlink for its new free public Wi-Fi program called Ingmasa. Ingmasa currently serves about 4 million people across the Philippines. So this would help them serve people who live even further away from cities. So the cost is about 2,700 pesos, which is about $49 a month. So a little cheaper than it is here in the US. And, uh, and 29,000 pesos, which is like $530 for the hardware. And I just want to point out, uh, Philippines has a population of 114 million people. And about 75% of the population has internet access. So like 25% or over 25 million people don't. Wow. So it just got an email from Starlink, by the way. And it seems that Starlink's monthly pricing is going up and down. Um, that's not possible. Prices either go up or they go down. They don't do both. Well, I have to disagree. Uh, you see, Starlink says that depending on where you live, prices will either go up by $10 a month if you live in an area with limited capacity or down by $20 a month if you live in an area with excess capacity. These prices will go into effect on April 24th for existing customers and immediately if you're a new customer. Also, Starlink RV customers will see prices increase to $150 a month from $135 a month. There are now over 1 million Starlink customers customers worldwide. Wow. So the interesting thing here is that if you live in an area, what is it? What do they say? Uh, limited capacity. So basically anywhere where there's a lot of people that have Starlink, um, that you know satellite that happens to be overhead at that moment is servicing all of you. So the more people that there are, the less capacity you can get. Right. Um, and the, the excess capacity areas are probably going to be more rural, um, fewer people living there, fewer people with Starlink. So this is actually nice. It gives more internet access to the places that statistically are going to need it more. Right. I mean, so speeds, though, have not gotten faster. In fact, as new customers join, speeds have dropped. Mm -hmm. um, is Starlink, SpaceX, doing this to even out the usage, like you're saying, to get more people in lower capacity areas to stop using Starlink as much or to attract more people to areas that have less usage or both? Um, I don't know. What do you think? Comment below. 
No, I, I can say it. Oh, you rest. I guess I'll comment below. So we didn't bring you this story last week because it seemed like a small production glitch. But seeing that Ford is delaying production of their F-150 Lightning for at least another week, well... Yeah, it could be a bigger deal than we originally thought. You see, Ford initially said back on February 14th that they suspended production because they caught a faulty battery pack off the line, and in an abundance of caution, they wanted to check to make sure that no other trucks coming off the line had any problems. Last Friday, Ford changed its tune a bit, saying that their battery supplier, SK, had resumed production of battery cells at their plant in Georgia after Ford agreed, quote, with SK's recommended changes in their equipment and processes for SK's cell production lines. It turns out that a Ford Lightning caught on fire in a holding lot on February 4th, but neither Ford nor SK have publicly disclosed the exact issue that caused the fire. Now, I'm a bit concerned because we have a Ford F-150 Lightning, and I'm not sure if this defect um, is something that happens like to all Fords for a long time or just happened during one little period. And my question is, is this bolt gate all over again? Like what happened to Chevy was that they let faulty battery cells through. They had fires. They dealt with it way too late. Did Ford catch this in time or is this something that could plague all Fords? Well, the good news is, is that Ford's production has been limited. Um, so if they did catch it now, that would only mean that, you know, jerks like us who got their lightnings early would have to worry about it. Um, it's not the same thing as the bolt where the bolt had been selling since 2016 and they only caught it in like 2019. Mm. And by that point, there was like over a hundred thousand bolts on the roads that were could catch on fire. Um, now there's no date yet on when Ford will resume production of the lightning. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the biggest, uh, that's the biggest worry for me. I'm just surprised this isn't a bigger deal for Ford in the press. Like I didn't see this anywhere, but the real hardcore like EV press places. Um, I don't think that the general public knows about this yet. Well, well, of course they don't know about it because it's about a truck that hardly anyone has had the opportunity to buy. And every time I have ever talked to anyone about the Ford, the big, the first question people will ask is, so how much they overcharge you for that? Luckily, they didn't overcharge us for that, but lots of people have been overcharged for it. So it's like, that's the, that's, that's the all story, people yeah. talk about. Um, but of course, if this becomes a bolt, bolt gate again then uh i think it's gonna be so uh your uh, truck catch on fire yet did your truck get hit by lightning <laughs> all right class how many of you participated in a tesla factory tour raise your hands don't be shy i see many of our german friends have not gotten to take a tour yet but hopefully that's about to change soon yeah tesla just posted a job for content and programs associate at giga berlin now, I know that that catchy title doesn't sound like much, but in the job posting, it says this role will primarily focus on factory tours, interact with various stakeholders within and outside the company and assist the work of the contents and programs team on site in Berlin. The content and programs associate will be at the forefront of enabling, engaging and informative factory tour experiences at Gigafactory Berlin. This includes but is not limited to leading tours, presenting compelling content to a broad audience, planning and executing events and interacting with various stakeholders, both public and internal. This is a hands on position that encompasses all aspects of a people facing role with a particular affinity for storytelling and presentation that's fun yeah now i realize that many of you watching have never gone on a tesla factory tour tesla up until when tesla stopped offering them in 2020 due to covid were allowing tesla owners one tour per year for free four guided tours were given daily monday through friday they lasted about an hour and you got to ride on a tram throughout the factory and see the cars being built before your eyes zach and i were lucky enough to go on a tour a couple times and i can't wait to tour giga berlin and texas and shanghai and nevada and fremont again Elon did say back in summer of 2021 that Tesla would probably be restarting tours in a few months. That doesn't seem to have happened, but hopefully this Giga Berlin job posting is a good sign of tours opening back up. They were such a wonderful way to feel connected to Tesla and the tour guides we had were awesome. Yeah, I mean, they were former factory employees, so they really knew what they were talking about and they could answer lots of questions. And you get to just see how busy the factory was. You had to like stop the tour sometimes to just like let a whole bunch of parts through. And while Tesla is busy building new gigafactories around the world, patenting new metals for Cybertruck and opening its global headquarters in Palo Alto, California, I thought it'd be a good idea to check in on VW and see what they're working on. Okay, so let me see here. Um, okay, got it. Uh, so what has VW been up to? Escape rooms. No, no, I mean Volkswagen, the VW, it's the German automaker. 
Yeah, yeah, escape rooms. What, what are you talking about? It says here that Volkswagen is spending 89 billion euros on its electrification efforts through 2026, uh, yada, yada, yada. And it's using some of that money to build three escape rooms at its headquarters in Wolfsburg for its 22,000 employees. Why would they build escape rooms? No, no, not just any escape rooms, Zach. These are three emotion rooms. Each should take employees 20 minutes to complete for an hour-long experience. In the first room, employees get information about the history of EVs as far back as the 1800s. The second room has to do with the history of the Wolfsburg plant. And the third room teaches about the future of EVs. So the third room is just full of Teslas? I'm sure it's not, but I. how do you make it an escape room? Is it, do you just have to watch... I'm guessing it's not Find fun. the charge port. Yeah, I'm, I doubt it's going to be like, okay, <laughs> I found the number. You have to, it's the coordinates on the map. Who was the worst CEO we've ever had? Was it Herbert Deese? <laughs> that's what VW would say. That's right. not what you think. No, I'm saying that's what they would say. That's what they would right. say, yeah. Uh, VW employees will be split up into teams of four who will then have to use their wits and skills to find clues, crack codes, and solve puzzles and riddles to move on to the next room. Gunnar Killian, head of HR, says, This is one building block in the process of bringing the workers into the world of e-mobility. For many, it's a totally new thing that the combustion engine won't be there anymore, and we have to train people for a high-voltage environment. Uh, the first group to take on the escape room will be the 1,200 employees assigned to work on the latest ID3 later this year. I still don't understand. Well, VW is trying to help ease employee anxiety over job security as VW transitions from internal combustion engines into EVs or just maybe just bankruptcy. Wow. I mean, if this isn't proof that Tesla is going to crush Big Auto, I mean, while VW employees are trying to solve riddles in an escape room, Tesla engineers are solving real world engineering problems every day. I know, but doesn't it sound fun? You know, you get Hans, to... I made it out of the room. <laughs> it's a fun thing to do with your employees. Team building. Yeah. Synergy. Synergy. Come on. Yeah. So the Dutch Data Protection Agency has been investigating whether or not to fine Tesla for its sentry mode features. As DPA board member Katjer Muir told Reuters, many Teslas parked on the street were often filming everyone who came near the vehicle and these images were being saved for a very long time. If every car were to do that, we'd have a situation where no one could go anywhere in public without being watched. The DPA just ruled that they will not be finding Tesla because Tesla has made some changes to sentry mode through over-the-air updates, including now requiring consent from the vehicle owner to record and store footage locally and making the headlights flash to let pedestrians know that recording has begun. Look, I know this is a tough one for Europeans who have a high standard for privacy. Here in the U.S., whether you know it or not, citizens, if you're walking down the street, you can be filmed by anyone for pretty much any reason. Now, as the number of cameras skyrockets and more things are connected to the cloud and as AI gets more powerful. Yeah, it's going to become a bigger and bigger topic. Just a couple decades ago, if I took your picture walking down the street, I'd have to run to the photo mat, wait for the film to be developed, then run to my local copy store. Remember those uh, print out a couple hundred copies, which would cost me a lot of money, then run all over town, stapling them to telephone poles if I wanted to share your picture. Now. I have just posted your picture online where the whole world can see it in seconds. Yeah, so I get it. Most people don't think a car can take videos of you, but Tesla's using sentry mode can. And I just want to point out the benefits here. Sentry mode has helped reduce vandalism and thefts. And the more people who know about this feature, I think, will help reduce crime even more. I mean, think about it. If would-be criminals know that Teslas may be filming them, they'll be less likely to do bad things around Teslas. Yeah, they'll wait till they're near a Chevy instead. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by Henson Shaving. And this week again, I used my amazing Henson Shaver. I really, I really, really like them. Hasn't broken yet, huh? <laughs> no, it is not going to break. Um, it has, do you know there's tungsten in this? That is a tungsten thrust bearing. So when you tighten down, I can tighten down as hard as I can yeah. on this. It's made out of aluminum. And then I can back it off because the tungsten doesn't compress. That's so cool. So it doesn't get stuck. It, you're never going to be like, oh, I broke it because I was mad when I was tightening it down. Yeah. Um, it's it's a fine piece of engineering that you can actually use every day if you want to. And you can save quite a bit of money instead of buying those cartridges. You can actually get 100 free blades if you use our code. Now, you know, make sure to put the 100 blades in your cart before you check out. Escape into the future. 
So Automobili Pinaferina just broke two world records with their fully electric Battista Hyper GT. So this is that Italian company that... Uh, no, it's a German company. Automobili. A Munich-based company. Okay. They took their $2.5 million hypercar to India to test it. Why India? Well, it's a subsidiary of Mahindra. Automobili. Forget it. <laughs> what, uh, what did they break? What, what records did they break? Uh, fastest quarter mile of a production vehicle and fastest half mile of a production vehicle. So how fast are we talking? A uh, quarter mile in 8.55 seconds and half mile in 13.38 seconds. That's pretty fast. Now, would you call the Batista Hyper GT a production car since they only plan 150 of them to be ever made? Eh, fast thing go fast, though. I mean, I'll say what I always say about electric hypercars. I hope that they sell a million times more posters of this car than the actual car because I think it's really important to have people excited about electric. I mean, this is the fastest production uh car in the world and that's awesome and it's electric love it and it's italian oh it's not <laughs> all right it's time for going green and speaking of italian didn't i hear about uh something about teslas in italy this um week? no well it looks like the city of venice is going to get some teslas i mean i didn't even know venice had any roads i mean i've never seen any cars in venice no 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 no, no. not venice italy Oh, Venice, California. That's cool. So we'll see them driving up and down the beach by all the bodybuilders and the tourists. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Venice, Florida. It's on the west coast of Florida between Tampa and Fort Myers. Oh, okay. So they're getting Teslas for like their police department. Yeah. Three Tesla Model 3s. One is being tested for their police department to see if it can handle a 12-hour shift and how fast it charges. And it does seem like there's a supercharger right there in Venice, Florida. So you're all set, Venice. You should have called us first. We could have told you that. You're good. You don't have to test this. It's going to work. The other two are for other municipal uses, uh, like the building department and the utility department. And I think this is an important story to share with your friends um, who might live in a town or might you know work for a municipality. People in government are usually a little bit conservative about pulling the trigger on new technologies until they see other other towns do it. Mm. So they need to hear about these other towns that are doing it. That's why, like, we're doing a test to make sure that this car will work for 12 hours. They just they're trying to be, you know, like they don't want to get yelled at by their constituents. I made this in one of your pottery classes. It's terrible. But if you share these stories, they'll keep seeing, oh, OK, all these towns have done it and they'll want to do it. And then eventually when they finally pull the trigger and then when their constituents come at them, and they, do you bought a Tesla? It's an $80,000 car. How dare you then go? Wait, no, no, no. First of all. And also Venice, Florida did it. So what are you getting so mad right. about? And I mean, look how much money we're going to save on fuel maintenance. And these cars last a long time. They last like twice as long as the ICE vehicles. So it's a money saver. And plus employees will show up early to get first dips. Exactly. <laughs> Debbie, why are you always here? It's so early. <laughs> all right. It's time for Sunspots. So Aravon Energy is announcing that they're going to be opening a new solar farm with mega packs. And the cool thing about this farm is that the solar equals the amount of energy in the packs. So this farm is actually really designed to not just store a little bit of energy. They know that they'll be needed for like non-solar time, like evening. Um, and they're planning on actually being a solar peaker plant, like being called on like we would call on a gas peaker plant. And so this means it's going to be able to give continuous power throughout the whole day. Yeah, let me get you the stats. So it's going to be in Holtzville, which is just north of the California-Mexico border, so down near San Diego. So San Diego residents, I think you'll be actually getting some of this power. It's going to have 137 megawatts of solar, that's thin film, and then 150 megawatts or 600 megawatt hours of batteries. Wow. So a lot of mega packs. This company is buying tons of mega packs from Tesla. All right, it's time for a video contributor stories. Remember, we need your stories. So shoot something two minutes or less. Tell us about something going on in your neck of the woods. It doesn't have to be groundbreaking, just interesting. Send it to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Make sure there's good audio with no music. And what I mean by good audio is if the wind is blowing, maybe... Put your hand in front of the microphone. All right. What do we got, Jess? Our patron Jonathan sent us this update about the Baker, California supercharger that supposedly exploded. Hey, guys, I'm at the supercharger at Baker, California. There was a story in the news that around Christmas Day, there was a fire. And according to the headlines, this whole supercharger exploded, quote unquote, and burned down. Um, starting with the mega packs in the back of me, which looked just fine to me. Um, but they do still have these yellow caution tapes on the last row of chargers, which is meaning it's very full. Uh, today is Sunday, January 8th, 2023. We're heading back from CES. 
Um, I give this charger probably a 7 or 8 out of 10. There is a Dairy Queen and a Jersey Mike's sub place inside and bathrooms. Um, and lots of stalls, but also very crowded. In the back there, we have some diesel gate chargers. Might try those. Now you know. I love how he refers to the diesel gate chargers down the end. <laughs> I really like that a lot. I love how even just days after the, the fire or whatever, there's still more superchargers up and running than the diesel gate chargers. It's hilarious. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. And this week, we've got a lot of fun stuff. We're going to be doing some Investor Club bonus stories as well. And we've got stories about Subway. Yeah, I'm talking about the restaurant. Uh, you can see whether you're an NPC. And we're going to identify if something that's been in the news lately is a Tesla or not. Mm -hmm. So go check those out. You can become a patron for just a buck a month. You get to see all of our Patreon bonus stories. So go check it out. See what you think. All right, we're back from our Patreon bonus stories. It's time for the shout outs. These are the people that go at the end credits that really help make the show possible. Who do we got this week? We've got David Quinn, Danny Lee Harris Jr., Joel Enger, Matt G., and Hoosia Global Enterprises. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do this show without you. So we ran a Patreon poll this week saying, does Ford have a Bolt-like battery cell problem on its hands? And our patrons are very middle of the road. They, It's way too early to know. There's sure. no way that we can speculate with one data point that we don't even have the details on. Um, but if you ignore all of those people, uh, <laughs> they think that, that Ford has a problem. <laughs> All right, so this week we're again going to do Elon's tweets of the week on another show because he just tweeted so, so much. So uh, go check that out on a separate video. And uh, that means that this week's show won't be so long. All right, it's time for community mail time. Remember, you can send your stories, your photos, your videos into us at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Community mail time. So Jack wrote in to tell us that he just attended the Toronto Auto Show and there were some noticeable absentees from the show. He said, no Ford, no Audi, no Honda, no Volvo, no Mercedes, no Jaguar, no VW. Could hardly get near the four Teslas on display. New full EVs and hybrids all over the place. Times they are a changing, I mean a charging. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. One of our editors from Mies shot these videos of the Tesla semi-truck at the Tesla owner's Silicon Valley event at the 98-stall supercharger in Harris Ranch. Great job, Rumi's. Not only a great editor, but, I mean, getting the camera, like, in all those spots. I know. Like, we weren't afraid to show us what's going on. Thank you so much. Our viewer Odin sent us this email after watching our Rivian bricked in depth. He said, what I did to avoid this issue with my EV, Tesla Model S, and the 12-volt battery is to mount an externally accessible power charge cord and then connect it to the 12-volt, routing the cable to the front of the car by the radiator so if it dies, I can connect the charger to at least get into the car without too much work. Sounds like something EV makers should do. Sounds like something Rivian should have thought of. Yeah. For an adventure truck. <laughs> Hans and Nas spotted this Model 3 in the Cayman Islands. Lenny saw this BMW electric rest vehicle by Chelsea Piers in Manhattan. Luciano spotted this packed supercharger in Fairplay, South Carolina. Nick spotted this wrapped Model S in Cambridge, Ontario, Canada. And Andrew found this teal wrapped Model Y in Elkhart, Indiana. I feel like we've seen that one before. And Kim spotted this blue wrapped Model X in Abbotsford, British Columbia, Canada. And Giles found this VW ID Buzz in Barcelona, Spain. Nice job, guys. I love getting just pictures and stuff from all over the world. It makes this community feel like fun. And you know what else I love about this community is supercharger reviews. Let's check them out. Hi, Zach and Jesse. I'm Mike, and this is my why outside of Denison, Texas, about 75 miles north of Dallas. As you can see, there are eight charging stations. There's a new building under construction. It's fairly large. It looks like they're gonna have multiple gas pumps and probably food and shopping once the building is finished out. For now, I would give this about a six out of 10 because of the lack of amenities. But once it's finished up, it should be a pretty good stop for those heading either north or south out of the Dallas area. G'day, Zach and Jesse. It's Michael coming to you from the Horsham Supercharger, a uh, three-stall uh, V3 Supercharger uh, in the township of Horsham in the Western District of uh, Victoria. It's just off the main highway that runs between Melbourne and Adelaide. You do have to come into town, which is a little bit inconvenient, but not too bad. There's a shopping centre uh, which has a few options for food. Portion's a nice little town. Just up the road is the Pink Lake, and I'd score this a 7 out of 10. My name is Peter, and I'm in Inyo Kern, California. Found this supercharger with 12 stalls. One even has a stall for trailers where you can pull up and pull through and plug in. 
This is fantastic. First time I've seen that. The city doesn't have really anything open until at least eight o'clock. There's not much here. I would give this probably a six out of 10. We are on our big cross country trip from California to Florida. We are in Palm Springs now to supercharger, 250 watt superchargers here on this side of this parking garage basement. 11 more urban chargers around the bend. I think overall they list 22 chargers. I have been towing my Iron Horse trailer, but we decided not to bring it in here because the height clearance is six foot eight inches. And overall, I think our trailer is six foot seven inches and I didn't really want to chance it. So it's going to lose points for that. It's a little tight in some spots, but otherwise it's actually really handy to have so many chargers here. As far as I can tell, there's absolutely nothing in here, including bathrooms. There's absolutely no food that's really nearby. You're going to have to take a hike a couple blocks down into the town. You're going to find some amenities of which there are plenty. So if you're towing, I'll give this location a three out of 10. The regular Tesla, I'll give this a five out of 10 because there's so many stalls, but there's absolutely nothing around here other than maybe trash cans. So. Now you know. Thank you so much for doing supercharger reviews. We have a map on our website, nowyouknowchannel.com, where you can check out all the supercharger reviews that have ever been done, and they're on a map so you know where they are. Yeah, so I mean, people do send them to us all the time on email, like here's it is, but just go on the website instead because that's where we store them so that everyone can see them immediately. All right, what do we got for new superchargers out in the world, Jess? Got number 53 in North Carolina is the eight stall in Mebane, North Carolina. Number 106 in the UK is the 12 stall in Carmathan, UK. Number 339 in California is the 16 stall in Chula Vista Showroom Place, California. Number 35 in Arizona is the 24 stall in Flagstaff on Highway 89. Number 1,587 in China is the 3 stall at Kunming at the Sunchang Shopping Center in China. Number 41 in Washington, number 1674 in the USA is the 12 stall in Everett, Washington. And number 28 in Mexico and 4,774 in the world is the 4 stall in Valle de Bravo, Mexico. Do you remember when Mexico had none? It was just like... It seems like just yesterday. I know. And then it had one and now it has 28. That's great. Well, thank you so much for watching until the end of the show. Um, we still have a lot of work to do, actually. We have to go do Patreon bonus stories, Investor Club bonus stories, uh, Disruptive Investing stories. Don't forget, we have another channel called Disruptive Investing, where you can check out lots of cool interviews with a lot of cool people and companies. In fact, we're going to be going to Austin, Texas soon to interview a company. So stay tuned for that. Um, just, we have to do Tweets of the Week. We got to do Tweets of the Week. I mean, yeah, so we're not even done yet. But thank you so much. I mean, especially these people here, our patrons who support us. We cannot do this show. I know you've heard me say it before, but it's absolutely absolutely true. If these people weren't running by right here showing their support, the show would have ended a long time ago. So please consider supporting us. That's what keeps independent news coming to you. And independent news, let me just tell you, nowadays, more important than ever, because just look at the mainstream press. What kind of crap are you getting over there about EVs, especially and sustainability? You're getting all the wrong messaging. You're getting greenwashing stories. You're getting things that you don't even know if you can trust. Jesse and I have been doing this for years. We know how to read a press release. We know how to reach out to companies and find out what they're really doing. So support what we do. You're going to get really good information. Thank you so much for watching. Now you know. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer.